praise you, my Father God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this day that you have made, Father, that we woke up this morning, my Lord. And we may not have all woke up in the best of spirits or the worst of spirits. It may be a special day or not a special day. It may be a day that we're not feeling that great or could be a day that we're feeling marvelous. Father, we're going to praise you in the good times and in the bad times. We're going to get up in the morning, my Lord, just ready to submit ourselves to you, to take on the day, my God. I pray for your anointing and for your spirit to be upon the saints right now in the mighty name of Jesus. I pray for your anointing and your presence to be upon me right now in the mighty name of Jesus. May the love of Christ and the blood of Christ cover us first thing in the morning, my God. May we see your presence, my God. See your face, my God. Come into a brokenness. Come into a submission. Come into a humility. Come, my God, into a spirit of reconciliation with you, Father God, right now, right here in the mighty name of Jesus. Lord, we thank you, my God, for those that have decided to walk this wilderness experience out with us. We thank you for those that desire to do it, but just weren't able to get up this morning. My God, we pray that you get them to a place where they are ready to get up, my God, that you wake them up, that you give them the energy, my God, that you give them the organizational skills, my Lord, that you bless them, Lord, that we might all be able to come together here and to bless each other in the mighty name of Jesus. Father, we pray for the forgiveness of sins, we pray, Father God, for the forgiveness of the sins past, my God. We pray for forgiveness of the sins that are present in our mortal bodies, my God. We pray for we pray for forgiveness of the future sins that we may experience as we go through the rest of this life before you, my God. We plead the blood, my God. We plead right now for the blood of Jesus to operate judicially in our behalf to cleanse us, my God. None of us, title or no title, age or no age, experience or no experience, maturity or no maturity, my God. None of us are above the need of the blood of Jesus. And so we plead the blood right now, Father. We pray. We pray for your blessing. We pray for your blessing on this time, on this season. We pray for your blessing on whatever happens here this morning, Lord. We pray your spirit take complete control, that you take complete leadership authority right now in the mighty name of Jesus, and that we come to you broken, we come to you submitted, we come to you, my God. We don't come to a ministry, we don't come to a ministry leader, we don't come and band together as a band of people. We, we're all just here as individual disciples in our own moment with you just seeking your face. And though it may seem like I'm leading this prayer, we pray, my God, that your spirit take control of this prayer moment, that your spirit be the one that takes responsibility and that your spirit takes leadership authority and that your spirit ministers here, my Lord, that your spirit intercedes for us in this prayer, my God. And whatever is needed, whether it's family members, whether it's personal, whether it's personal, physical, personal, mental, personal, spirit, my God, may we may you meet the need, my God. In addition to meeting the needs, my God, we pray, Father God, against everything and anything that may distract us, my God, from the purity of your glory, anything that might separate us, my God, from what you're trying to do in this moment, my God. May it, may it just burn away in our consciousness, Lord, and may it just be all about you. And so we thank you, my God, and we pray, Father God, that we have a time of remembrance, Lord. We, we can be forgetful of things, my God, but we, we pray for a time of remembrance. 
Hallelujah. And we ask, my God, that you continue to bless us, continue to strengthen us, my God, strengthen those that are around us, my God, and help us, my God, to set the propitiatory example before the flock and before the world, that the world may know that you, Christ Jesus, are alive. And Father, that you have ordained a time and a place for his return, and that until then, we stand in the gap as ambassadors on earth, making Christ plead to the world, repent and save yourself from this wicked generation. We pray these things as we pray for all things in Jesus' mighty name, and the body of Christ says, can we get an amen from anybody that's here on the line with us in a spirit of agreement, if just someone could just join me in an amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Amen. Before I um, go into um, anything specific, I want to just lay the foundation. Um, as I was consecrating myself with the Lord, the Lord kept ministering to me a word about a consecrated life. Hallelujah. A consecrated life, a life that stays on a sacred pilgrimage. And he started to bring back to mind the whole experience of the wilderness. The wilderness experience is what he started to bring back to my mind and my consciousness. How Jesus, before he began his ministry, spent 40 days in the wilderness, just him and God, just him and God. And I know we're not, we're not we're, I'm telling you that there's this public part of it that we're doing here, but this 40-day movement for me has a private part too. There's a time with just me and God. And I encourage each one of you to do that as well. And what I did was I picked some hours in the day. You don't got to pick, you don't have to pick the same hours, but I picked 6 a.m. and I picked 12 p.m. Uh, and I picked 3 p.m. Hallelujah. And I picked 7 p.m. as times I set them as alarms on my phone to go off. And when these alarms go off, I immediately called to mind to remember Jesus, remember the cross. I pray wherever I'm at. If I'm working, I pray. I don't care. If I'm working, I'm praying too. Uh, and, I, and I'm consecrating myself and I'm calling to mind and I'm testing spirits right there in the moment and testing where I'm at in the spirit realm right there in the moment to see if I've drifted away or if I've allowed myself to be distracted or whether some non-Christ edifying experience has somehow seeped in and put and, and quenched the fire of the spirit of God. And so I've set those days. This is what I'm going to be doing for the next 40 days. I don't know that how, how I'm going to be doing it after the 40 days, whether God's going to carry that on as part of my daily active consecrations or what, but I want to encourage you that while you're coming together with us here in this public moment, that part of this also have a private moment, you and God. Wilderness experience is a very unique experience for each and every soul. I can't explain your wilderness. You can't explain my wilderness. I can't tell you what to do in your wilderness. You can't tell me what to do. Wilderness has to do with separation from the world and separating yourself for consecration. Hallelujah. And so God gave me this revelation. And then, I, and of course, he, as, as an apostle, as a person responsible for souls, um, I, I had this, I had felt called to invite other people into this call, into this wilderness call. And so what you do on your private moment and how you do it is your business. But if you don't, don't just plug into this 
portion. And then that's your whole extent of this experience. I think you'll miss out on something. God is desperate to talk to his sons and daughters individually. God is desperate to show his fatherhood to us individually. And he's, he's desperate to speak to us. He's desperate to heal us. He's desperate to deliver us. He, he wants to do these things. This is not something that's a side thought in his mind. This is an active part of what he's trying to accomplish in each and every one of our lives. Hallelujah. So I, I just want to share that. And so you may hear some worship music in the beginning that might go one minute, two minutes, 10 minutes. I don't know that it's going to go past 10 minutes. So I don't think it's going to be like our 365 when we pay 30 minutes of worship. But it's just all about centering ourselves in that moment and just not thinking about the bills, not thinking about the family, not thinking about the job, not thinking about our personal health, or not thinking about or projecting into the future, not, not obsessed with grieving over the past, but just a moment where we're just coming to the Lord and saying, God, this is your time, your time, your time to speak into our life, your time to, to set the record straight, your time to get us together with you and say what you wanted to say that I wasn't paying attention to the rest of the times because I was otherwise distracted or otherwise mentally or spiritually preoccupied. So we're going to call back that into a remembrance that we're in this 40-day wilderness and look for something to happen in here. Something's going to happen in here. Something's going to happen to you. Something get excited. Something is going to happen to you. Something's going to change in your mortal being. Hallelujah. Praise God. And so uh, I felt all of this in my spirit. And so that's why we're here. And I wanted to set the stage day one, right out of the box. We're here for Jesus. We're here to be submitted to him. We're here to be broken. We're not here to rep a title. We're not here to rep a ministry. We're not here to rep. Okay. We're here to humble ourselves in brokenness in the Lord. And I call it a wilderness experience because what I noticed is that when God called the nation of Israel, the first thing he did was he took them into the wilderness. They didn't understand the wilderness, right? They, they thought they were just going to go from Egypt into the promised land, but they were toxified by their time in Goshen. They were toxified by their time with that world power of the time, Egypt. They were a cultural world power. They were a social world power. They were a military world power as a result of the famine. They were looked up to by the entire rest of the world. God had turned Egypt into the focus of the world while Joseph was there as Zaphonath Penea, and they had the great famine, right? And everybody came in to get their food. All the people of all the known world were coming to Egypt for grain. And so that made Egypt the center of life for mankind. And so you could imagine the, the Egyptian culture was looked up to, the Egyptians themselves were looked up to, sort of like right in Christ's time, how Rome was, right? Rome, being a Roman citizen was a big deal. To be, uh, to be in the city of Rome was a big deal. To be connected with the Romans was a big deal. Kind of like our time, right? How America and NATO and the Western Bloc is the world power of the day, right? And if you're in some third world nation, you don't, you don't have an ambivalent attitude. You either love it or you hate them. 
either love America and NATO or you hate them. You know, there's no in between it. Most people see them as the center of the world when they make decisions. The whole world is watching, right? The dollar is the currency of trade for the whole world. What happens to the dollar? The whole world is watching, right? What, what happens in the decisions of the United States? The whole world is watching. You see, man always has their leader, their center of authority, their center of power. And back in those days, Egypt was the center of power. But when God called his people out of Egypt, he had to detoxify them. Their spirit was too obsessed with the leeks and melons. Ah, uh, yes. And their, their, their attitude, even though they were slaves in Egypt, they had become fond of slavery. They had become fond of allowing themselves to be treated as second-class citizens. They had become fond of being part of the Egyptian experience, even though they were being subjugated in a negative context. They were being subjugated as slaves and inferior people. But they grew fond of it, and they didn't know that they were fond of it. And so God, when he led them into the wilderness, was basically leading his bride into a place where he could get her undivided attention. He wanted to get their undivided attention. There was something that they were to do. They were to be wed, and then they were to give birth to a child. And so Yahweh, in a form of speaking, took the nation of Israel as a bride. Yahweh, in a form of speaking, took her as a bride to have a family. Yahweh, in a form of speaking, in a prophetic form of speaking, was looking to give birth to a son. And that son would then become the new center of attention. He would become the new center for which everyone would look to for their spiritual grain. Because there's a famine. Since Adam fell, there's been a famine. You've been thirsting and hungering have a sense. And so God needed to get her out of Egypt, get her out of slavery, and then help her to see things a little differently. Now, the nation of Israel had a whole different mindset, and that can sometimes be our problem, right? God is trying to lead us out of slavery, right? God is trying to lead us out of an affliction, Right? God is trying to leave us out of a situation in which we're subjugated to a state of inferiority. Right? And God is trying to lead us into a place where he can get our undivided attention so that he can birth something out of us. Uh, Santo, because we're all part of the bride of Christ. We're all called to bear fruit. We're called to bear much fruit. And so as God led the nation of Israel into the wilderness, the nation of Israel got confused. Why are we here in this desert? And, and, and Moses went up on the mountain to get the commands and the directions and the ordinances from God. And God kept Moses up there for a season as God was consecrating his people. Part of the wilderness is a silence. Maybe you don't know what God's saying. Maybe you don't know what God's about to do. You don't know what, you know that God is calling you. You feel this pull. You feel this urge, right, to allow God to do something in your life. And you, you feel this pull, but you're also not completely sure exactly what it is. You're not 
come on, you know, you, you saw the plagues, you saw him fight in your behalf, you saw the, the victories over your enemies, you saw the parting of the Red Sea, you walked across dry ground during the Red Sea, but your enemies were flooded over. But now after all this, we're in the wilderness and we don't exactly know why. And so part of the wilderness is God just saying, be still. Listen, be still. Oh, come on. Sometimes there's too much talking in our minds, thinking, thinking. We, we don't take time to be in the wilderness with God just to say, you know what, God, I've been running my mouth and I've been running my mouth in my head. Sometimes we run our mouth without running our mouth, right? We don't even have to say anything out of our mouth. We've got thoughts going on in our head. And one thought leading to the next thought with the consequences of the first thought. And the third thought gave consequences to the third thought. And the third thought gave consequences to the fifth thought. And the seventh thought gave consequences to the tenth thought. And we're just running on in our projections, right? And sometimes God's just sitting there like, I'm waiting for you to be quiet. I wait for you to be still. Because part of this desert experience is to detoxify you from the noise. How many of you got noise in your life? I got noise in my life. Noise. Some noise in my life, which prevents the Lord from being able to speak. I can't hear God for the sake of the noise. Sometimes the enemy has actually sent noisy assignments into your life because he's so desperately afraid that you might actually hear what God has to say, and then he can't destabilize you like he was doing before. And so God led the nation of Israel into the desert, into the wilderness. Didn't make a lot of sense. It didn't seem to make sense. Why would you take us out of Egypt so we could die here in this desert, is it God? Was it God's intention when he took us into the wilderness for us to die? Is that really a word from the Lord? That I'm going to take you, I'm going to show you all these victories. I'm going to show you who I am. I'm going to show you my supernatural power. I'm going to show you my ability to be victorious. I'm going to show you how there's no God greater than me. I'm going to show you how powerful I am, only to lead you in the desert so you could starved to death because there's no water and no food to eat. So first thing we've got to realize in the wilderness is that we're going to get a little uncomfortable in the wilderness. See, we were comfortable as slaves. Even though we were slaves, we at least knew what the next day expected. We were going to make bricks out of straw. And we were going to do it to the best of our ability or our back would be soft or softened. We knew what the next day held. We found a way to cope with the negativity of the life circumstances. We found coping mechanisms to survive the slavery. I hope tongues don't offend anybody here. We're not here to offend you, but I do believe God is moving. God is speaking and, and, and he's speaking into our lives. I noticed I didn't say he's speaking into your life. I say he's speaking into our lives. We're in this together. We're in the wilderness. And God is going to allow us a little discomfort. How about silence? Silence can make things uncomfortable, right? When you get silent, you're sitting there with somebody and you ain't saying nothing. They're not saying nothing. That silence sometimes, right, can make it uncomfortable. They were in the desert. Moses up on the mountain. Silence 
come over here and make us this calf and take us back to Egypt. Because this guy, Moses, we don't know what has happened to him. And you think God didn't know that they might be a little bit uncomfortable with being in the desert and not hearing anything? But he kept Moses up on the mountain. These people must learn to seek after me. These people must learn to pant, to pant, and to tarry after me. I got a big plan. These people must learn to trust in faith what I'm doing. Stand in obedience to the last thing they heard from me, which was to wait here while I bring Moses up on the mountain. God was up there. We don't know the exact experience for Moses. We don't know what God did. We don't know if God left Moses sitting there for days without saying anything to him either. How long will he wait? I said, come up on the mountain. How long will he stay up on the mountain before he starts questioning whether I really wanted him to come up on the mountain, if I was really going to help him? Or is he going to stay there? We don't know. But we know the people, he did want them to stand on the last word there and wait on the Lord, and wait on direction. Part of the wilderness experience is waiting. In some areas of your life, God is calling you to action, but there is some areas of your life, God's calling you to be patient, because you're in the wilderness in that area of your life, and in that wilderness, you can't be projecting, and planning, and project. See, that's what happened. The nation of Israel, when they were in the wilderness, they were planning, and plotting, because Moses is taking too long. He's taking too long, Maybe God, after part in the Red Sea, changed his mind. I don't know. You take it too long. Make us this idol here so we can go back to Egypt. Back to the leeks and melons. Back to slavery. How many of you, God calls you out of something, but you've gotten so comfortable with it that God calls you out, but he didn't give you a replacement just yet. <laughs> he called you out of something, but he didn't give you a replacement for the something he called you out of. So now you're just sitting there. Now it's uncomfortable. The silence is uncomfortable. The, in, the, the not knowing is uncomfortable. The, 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 there was security in the suffrage. So even though you're calling me out, I'm losing security because you're not replacing the suffrage with what it is that you're calling me to. There's this season I got to be still and trust on the last thing you say. I said, I'm gonna stay right here and I'm not gonna move till Moses comes down off that mountain. Now, if they had waited, Moses was gonna come down with the 10 commandments and they were going to then be led to the promised land. How long God would have kept them in the wilderness before he took them into the promised land is not yet completely known because of course we know they messed up. So God kept it, kept, God extended their time in the wilderness. Some of us, we're extending our wilderness experience because in the wilderness, we're operating in disobedience. So now we're suffering consequences from God's disciplinary correction in the wilderness, which is extending the wilderness. And we're like, God, why haven't you moved? He said, I'm going to move after I've taught you how to be still and wait on me. You must learn to pant and tarry after me. Hallelujah. Something about that wilderness that teaches you to trust. Something about that wilderness 
expands and opens up your faith. There's something about that wilderness that makes you stronger. There's something about that wilderness that builds your spiritual character. See, we got a lot of gifts, but do we have a lot of character? If you've got gifts, gifts are given without repentance. Glory to God. But if you have character, you're not saved by works, you're saved by faith. But character is the testimony to your faith. And so he wanted his bride's attention. I need your attention. Listen, you learned a whole lot of stuff I don't like. You learned a whole lot of stuff that I really am not fond of. You learned a whole lot of stuff that you can't bring into my house. Glory to God, hallelujah. You got a whole lot of behaviors that ain't going to work. Married to me. Got a whole lot of mindsets that are not going to fly in my holiness. So I got Moses up here on this mountain. And frankly, I'm taking my time. You be still. You be silent. You wait. Moses is going to come down and show you the changes that you have to make, the ways you have to adopt. Did not God later cry out? He says, these people have not come to know my ways. See, they knew his law, but they didn't know his ways. Mm. Come on now. This was a marriage between the father and the people to give birth to a son. You have to become a fit bride. And though you are called, you're not yet consecrated. And so I'm calling you into the wilderness to consecrate you. And you crying out for your ex-husband. Oh, because Egypt was the ex-husband. Now you were crying out to me when you were married to the ex-husband, how terrible he was. And I heard your cry. And I killed him and brought you aside, brought you into this wilderness to be my bride. But now, what is this bleeding of sheep that I'm hearing is crying out? What are these people saying? Are you down there defiling yourself while I'm preparing you for glory? You're down here defiling yourself, and I'm preparing you for glory. He told Moses, go back down there, because these people have already started to defile themselves. Now, we didn't come here in the wilderness to get a beat down. We came here in the wilderness to get sobered up and get ready for what God's going to do. God's about to do something in your life that if somebody told you today, you would not believe it. That's right, because listen, it doesn't take faith to do something you already know you can do. Faith is about doing something that you didn't even think you could do. You didn't even think it up in your mind that you could do it. These people were ready to go back to slavery and leeks and melons because Moses was tarrying on a mountain. They didn't know they were going to be made into a great nation, that they were going to become the greatest nation in the whole world, that the whole world would look to them as the center for everything. How many of you know the promised land was actually the central place for commerce? It was the central passageway between one part of the world and the other part of the world. That part of the world was strategically, at the time, 
the center of the world. He was going to put them in the land, in the center of the world, and he gave them authority and power. So he was going to put them, he did put them, and gave them power and authority. See, we have the ability to look back and see what happened. But at the time, they didn't know that that was what's going to happen. And that's what's going on in your life right now. God's about to do something tremendous in your life. But you got to first be able to survive the wilderness because there's some corrective activity going on. It's not a corrective activity from some man. Okay, it's not a corrective activity from some ministry, Santo Barashantabasi. That's not a corrective uh, movement because somebody else said there was a. This is between you and your father. This is a position that you're between you and your God. And there's a destiny that he has specifically laid out for you. And it's a greatness. He says, I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you and give you a good name. All this negativity about the outcome of your life does not come from me, Santo. Hallelujah. Oh, we're going to die here in this desert. Have you dragged us out here? There aren't tombs in Egypt that you have to take us into this desert so that we can die. This negative plan for your life did not come from me. I didn't go to the cross and die on the cross and raise up on the third day and send the Holy Spirit on the Pentecost 33 CE and hold my church alive till I come back because the gates of hell should not overcome my church so that you could die in the wilderness. That plan did not originate with me. But you're going to have to survive this wilderness. When Moses came down, he came down with the Ten Commandments, the corrective measure for you to abide in the house of the Lord. Now, God is a loving God. He didn't say, you people are dirty and nasty. Go, go, go clean up yourself. He didn't. He just rather politely said, let's go. Takes them into the desert. Wait here. Moses was going to go up and get the Ten Commandments. And God is going to come down, read the Ten Commandments. These are the instructions from the Lord. Now, if you obey these instructions, then well, then all will be well with you. If you do not obey these instructions, you will be destroyed. And people said, yes, we will do it. This sounds good to us. And so in the wilderness, God is going to always be consecrating you, preparing you, to abide in the house of the Lord. You learn some ways in Egypt. I say you, but I rebuke that in the name of Jesus. We learn some ways in Egypt. During our years, making bricks out of straw that don't work in the house of the Lord. You know, today is Independence Day in the America, in America, you know, um, and I don't know that the whole world doesn't necessarily celebrate its day of independence, but this is the day that America celebrates their independence from being subjugated in tyranny to Great Britain, right? Uh, taxation without representation is tyranny. And so they sought their revolution to be independent. And so today is Independence Day. I didn't plan this, but very interestingly enough, today is becoming in some additional area of your life because no one's trying to take credit for your independence, but God. But today is the beginning of another independence. 
And so I didn't pick it. It's just God. It's, I, I got hit with it yesterday. And God's like, yeah, we're doing, you're doing 40 days in the wilderness. And then it starts tomorrow. And I'm like, wow, Independence Day, July 4th. <laughs> but now there's another independence. And so in the wilderness, there's always correction. That's just that simple. No need to mix any words. In the wilderness, there's always correction to prepare you for residency in the house of God, a higher level of residency. Christ, who himself did not need a wilderness, also went through a wilderness prophetically the 40 days in the desert before he began his ministry. He said he was overcome by the Holy Spirit. As soon as he was baptized, he came out of the water and wandered into the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights, neither eating nor drinking reflecting on the infinite glory of God. As soon as he came out of the wilderness, he launched his ministry. Christ didn't need to be sanctified, but he did walk out some things to leave a testimony for us. And so every single one of us has to have at least one, but more likely many, wilderness experiences. We do. We have to separate ourselves from everything, separate ourselves from the world. God is leading us. And it doesn't necessarily have to be a physical separation. But spiritually, you're being consecrated unto the Lord. And that quiet time between us and God, the wilderness. Joshua survived the wilderness. Moses survived the wilderness, so to speak. He didn't get to go into the promised land, but he survived the wilderness. Caleb survived the wilderness. Some people, though, didn't survive the wilderness because they didn't understand the plan that God had for them. That key to understanding the plan is you're not going to understand the plan. you got to just follow God day to day. Don't follow me. I'm just a man. Follow God day to day. Say, why do you say that? Why do you always say, don't follow me? Don't follow a church. Don't follow a ministry. Don't follow a pastor. Why do you always say that? Because sometimes people look at the man or the woman or the ministry and make it equal to God. That's a mistake. Nobody's equal to God. God's God. And so in that, we may find ourselves in a ministry that's flowing in the direction that God's taking us. And we might find ourselves comforted and covered by a pastor or a ministry or church. But that's part and parcel to the work of God. It's only as useful as God is using them. So I want you to be wise about the things of the Lord and not simple-minded. And so here we are in the wilderness and we're just saying, Lord, speak to us, talk to us, take us away from the noise, pull us out of Egypt. We're going to take time out from making bricks out of straw. We're going to stop the whip from our back. And it's going to be just us and you, Lord, we're going to consecrate ourselves. That's prayer. That's fasting. That's word. That's worship. And it is also fellowship, right fellowship, fellowship with the right minded people. You got right-minded people in this wilderness experience going on right now? Probably you got some wrong-minded people in this wilderness experience going on, right? You might have to disconnect from the wrong-minded people so that you can hear God. Maybe 40 days in the wilderness, 
like Jesus, like the nation of Israel. Like Noah. And go through the emotions. Emotions. Can you imagine the emotions Noah was going through? Think about it if you were in the ark. It's raining. It's raining. Okay, the first day, thank God God called me. Thank God he built this ark. Thank God he put me in the ark. <laughs> thank God I got God. I'm not the 10th day is raining. The 20th day is raining. How about the third? Are you the type of person who's been, wow, I hope God really is going to stop this rain at some point. I mean, we're going to spend the rest of our days in this ark. I mean, what's going to happen here? Practically speaking, be real. In the wilderness, we get maturity. In the wilderness, we get character. Be real. How long would you have been comfortable waiting at the bottom of the mountain? How comfortable would you have been inside the ark? Hallelujah. And so we were listening to some worship and, you know, the song was saying that I've got a river flowing on the inside of me. And saints, there's a beauty of God in you, the Holy Spirit. If you do not have the Holy Spirit, then you do not have God. If you do not have the Holy Spirit, you do not have Christ. What makes you part of the bride of Christ is that you're a band of saints tied together by the Holy Spirit. And so you have a river flowing on the inside of you. And so how much time do you spend listening to the river? How much time do you spend just adoring the river? How much time do you spend thanking God for the river? Despite your finances, your life circumstances. See, that's the wilderness. See, in Egypt, we had leeks and melons. We had leeks and melons. Yeah, we had some suffrage. We had to make bricks and the Egyptians mistreated us and they, they despised us because they despised shepherds. They've been despising shepherds since Zaphonapanea. They despised, that's how they got in Goshen because the Egyptians can't. Egyptian was city folk. You ever been to the country? You ever been to a farm? You ever smell the farmer? Imagine you're from the city. You wear Gucci cologne. You got on your fancy aromas, you know. And then here come this farmer smelling of the smell of sheep that have been wet by the dew from the morning. So city folk ain't too cool with the farmers, okay? Ain't you cool with the country folk? And Egyptians were city folk. Basically, the nation of Israel stank of field animals. My goodness. Get them away from me. But they gave us leeks and melons. <laughs> and so, come on, saints, day one, day one. Where you're going to be laying down. Day one, where you're going to be surrendering to God. Day one, you know, you know, you know, as the word was being released, things have been going on inside of you. What are we laying down in this wilderness experience? What are we detoxifying ourselves from in this wilderness experience? What are we allowing ourselves to get uncomfortable with so that we can receive 
the greater glory. But then that's why you're here. And the reason why you're here may not be the same reason why I'm here, which may not be the same reason why anybody else is here. I don't mean to sound, you know, uh, heartless, but who cares why anybody else is here? In the wilderness, this is about something happening deep inside of you that makes a difference. That when you come out of this wilderness, you know, haters are never going to see anything good. And certain people are never going to affirm you. Certain people are just never going to recognize. Certain people, it's, they're too invested in not recognizing you. And since they're so invested in not recognizing you, they are not going to acknowledge what God did. So we're not even going to worry about them. But I'm telling you that a testimony that's going to come out of the wilderness, prophesying to you now, a testimony that's going to come out of your wilderness is that there are going to be some people that are going to go, I don't know what it is, but something different about you. And it's a good thing. I don't know what it is, but you've shaken off some folly that you had in your spirit. I don't know what it is, but your stature in the spirit realm has increased. I don't know what it is, but your wisdom, your insight, your gifting, your, not that you do it for that, you do it for the love of God, you do it to be a fit soul for the house of God, but when you become a fit soul from the house, for the house of God, when you transform from glory to glory, it does leave a testimony. And yeah, get ready. Because through these days and at the end of these days, you're going to be ready for another promised land. We'll get to what you got to do when you get in the promised land, because it's a little early for that. We'll get to that. But now we're in the wilderness. Now, does that mean that you can't go to work? No, you got to go to work. I'm going to work. I don't know about you. <laughs> okay. Does that mean all of a sudden everything changed instantly? I think a lot of times we get a great experience and then we want to carry the great experience out of the experience. And then we, we, we get into the world and problems hit us and we it kind of takes all the fire out of us. Man, I, I don't know, something happened this morning. I feel great. And as soon as you feel great, you get there to the job and something bad happens or you get a bad report or you get bad mail or you know something happens right as you get out of the call. You know, stop, stop. Yep. They got led into the wilderness, but there was a time that they were uncomfortable. Yep, there was a time they didn't want to see manna no more. They wanted me. Yep, there was a time that it got boring. There was a time that it got too it got too too complacent. And there was a time when it got too consistent. Right, every day we're doing the same thing. There was a time when we just we were slipping away, focus and getting disinterested. All that's part of growing up in the Lord. That even in the mix of that, I've got a river flowing on inside of me. And it's something I can't explain. I feel it in my bones. The river is raging. A song in your heart something going on in a realm that nobody can touch. Because listen, when Jesus told the people this, and this is what you're going to be able to say to some people who don't want to receive you in the spirit that God is calling you in. I have a table to eat at for which you are not aware. Where I'm going, you cannot come. 
Because see, in that deep inner space with the spirit of God, nobody can touch that. I don't care who they are. That's you and God. And there's a wall around it. Only you and God are there. Nobody can interfere with that. Unless you interfere with it by stepping out of his presence and stepping into the world that the enemy wants you in. So it's not that you got to physically separate from people. You don't have to go and actually physically wander. And maybe you do. Maybe God's called you to do that. If you can do that and God's called you to do that, I'm not going to take that away from you. That's between you and God. But that, that, that's, that, that's not what God revealed to me. For me, I'm not going to be disconnected from everybody and not talking to nobody and not interacting with people and not going to work. And I'm just going to sit there 40 days. No. But it is a consecrated moment where I am separated from the world and separated from everyone from a certain perspective as it pertains to this wilderness experience I'm going through with God. So I need to be transformed from a glory to another glory, to ever increasing glory until finally I reach the ultimate glory. And then I'm with him and I'm transformed. I don't know exactly what I will be, but I know I'll be with him. We will all be transformed in a twinkle of an eye. We'll be off with the Lord forever. But before we get there, we got to go through some wildernesses to get corrected. The character, the behavior, the habits, the attitude, the thought process is being changed. Hallelujah, praise the Lord. In the spirit of God, I believe that that's what God had intended for day one. And I believe in the Lord that something amazing is going to happen for me. And I believe something amazing is going to happen for you. Do the best you can to plug in. If you can't plug in, it's not the end of the world. You don't need this for your salvation. I think sometimes we get caught up in desperation. But consistency is good. So we've been doing this for 40 straight days, every morning at 6.30, 40 straight days. Pray about it. If God's called you to it, be here, 40 straight days. Let's go through this wilderness experience and see what our Lord has planned for us. Father, we thank you for this time of fellowship. We pray for each person's day, Lord. We pray, my God, that you help each and every one of us my god to remain in the place for which you've called us you're we're in a we're in a preparation you're preparing us for something and i pray father god that we stand firm in it that we don't slide backwards but that we go forward to the fullness of your glory to the majesty of your strength to an ever increasing glory until the fullness of christ be with us lord help us to walk through this in Jesus' mighty name, and the body of Christ says, can we get an amen in the house of the Lord? Amen. Amen. Then, praise God, praise God, praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.